0: The Finding Clarity Podcast is a podcast ministry of the Kerwinsville Christian Church where we seek to answer questions that you might have about Christianity and the Christian life. So what we do is each week we try to put together a podcast for the folks in our church to consider some questions that maybe you're wrestling with or others are wrestling with that have to do with Christianity and the Christian life. So each week we come with a question we try to break it down, show you from the scriptures, and try to come to some sort of conclusion with regards to the question. This week, we're going to look at a question that is probably, you know, out of all these episodes that I've done, this is probably one of those questions that I would say is probably most important for you and I to understand. Because it affects you and I in our everyday life, and it has to do with Jesus and his relationship with you as our Lord and Savior. You say, okay, George, well, what if this is so important? What's what's the question? Well, the question is: does Jesus pray for us? Does Jesus right now? Seated on the right hand of the Father, as the scripture tells us, pray for you and I in our circumstances and in our situation. Does he pray for us? And I think as you consider what that question is asking, you can see why this is very important for you and I in our spiritual lives and in our relationship with Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to first talk about why this question is important. And I think it has to do with the fact that you and I wrestle with feelings of isolation. And then we're going to turn to the scripture and take a look at what the scripture says about Jesus's role in our lives. And you'll be surprised at what it says about his role and about his divine purpose. So let's take a look, first of all, at these feelings of isolation. I just want to make three points here. For you and I, here's the scoop. There is a sense in which believers feel alone or abandoned by God. That's a very real feeling. If you go about your Christian life, as you face the circumstances that you face, and as you wrestle with the things in your life, there is going to come a time when you and I will feel very much alone, like we're in it for ourselves, and I'm the only one who's doing this, and I feel alone, and I can't do it, or You may even be going through a circumstances and you feel like Jesus has just walked away. You feel like God has just walked away. You feel abandoned. So thus we have those feelings of isolation. Here's my second point I want you to see about when we talk about these feelings of isolation. These feelings are compounded by our sin and our suffering. These feelings are compounded by our sin and our suffering. Let me me explain that to you. Let me just take each one that we're talking about here and talk about how that compounds our feelings. So first of all, let's talk about our sin. All right, so let's, let's just recognize all of us, every single one of us are sinners. Each individual wrestles with sin in their life. And for some of you, I would say for all of us, It is manifested in some particular sin in your life that you hate, that you want to overcome, that you're struggling against. I at least hope you're struggling against it. But, well, anyhow, so here you are, you're struggling against it, and you feel like there's no way you can overcome it. There's no way you can deal with this. You're kind of like Paul in Romans chapter 7, the good that I want to do, I don't do that, which I don't want to do, I do... And you feel like, I'm alone in this battle. I'm alone in this battle against my sin. I always fail. There's nothing I can do about it. You see how those feelings of isolation are compounded by your sin? Here's the second one. The struggles that we go through with regards to suffering that compounds our feelings of isolation. As you're going through the difficulty that you're going through, as you're going through that suffering moment, you're crying out to God, God, take this problem away from me. God, I need you to solve this. God, I need you to do this. And oftentimes, You sense silence from the Lord. Oftentimes you don't see him working the way you want him to work. And so that just compounds these feelings of isolation. So now that brings me to the third point I want to just point out to you with regards to these feelings of isolation. What happens is, is when we, we sense that we're alone or we, we sense that uh, we're abandoned by God, it's compounded by our sin and by our situations of suffering that we find ourselves in. Here's the third point I want you to see. This usually happens. We question whether the Lord truly understands our dilemma. We we truly question, God, do you really understand what I'm going through? God, do you really understand what I'm struggling with? Because I feel alone right now. You say, okay, great, George. You've You've described where I'm at or where somebody I know is at. What in the world does this have to do with does Jesus pray for us? Well, it actually has a lot to do with the question we're going to look at. So let's dive right into the question. Because what we're going to see now is is that Jesus has a role in our lives. Yes, he's gone to be with the Father. And he has sent us his Spirit, the Comforter, to guide us and to teach us and to be him to us. But that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't have any kind of aspect of ministry in our lives right now. He actually has a role that he is fulfilling, and the question is, is well, how do we find that in the Bible? And how does that answer this question, does Jesus pray for us? Well, we're gonna look at several scriptures now, so let's just dive right into it. So the very first place that we wanna go is 1 John, the first epistle of John, chapter two, verses one and two. Listen to what John writes. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this, and we're going to see that Jesus's role in our life right now, as he's seated on the right hand of the Father, he continues to minister in our life. And this is so important, especially as we're dealing with these feelings of isolation, is that we need to understand that right now, Jesus is our advocate. Or you could say, Jesus is our intercessor. Intercessor. So here's the first point I want you to see. Jesus is our advocate before God the Father concerning our sin. So he is right now our advocate before God the Father concerning our sin. Look at what it says there in 1 John. He's telling you right off the bat, verse 1 of chapter 2, my little children, don't sin. All right, so we understand the scripture calls us to stop sinning, but then he goes on and says, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father. That is, we have somebody who is interceding for us because we sin, because we wrestle with sin, because we struggle with sin, because we're defeated by sin. We have someone who advocates for us who's praying for us, so who's praying for you as you're dealing with the stuff that you're dealing with with regards to your sin. But actually, it's a whole lot more than that. Because if we go over to Zechariah chapter 3, we see that there's another dimension to this whole advocacy issue. Because, my friends, you and I have somebody in our life who is our accuser. And you know who that is, right? That's Satan. He is the accuser of the brethren. And so Jesus, our advocate, intercedes on our behalf. And Zechariah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, gives us a beautiful picture of this whole issue of being an advocate. Listen, listen to what Zechariah writes in verse 1 of chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has cho- who, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him, and to him... He said see I have removed your iniquity from you I will clothe you with rich robes and I said let them put a clean turban on his head so they put a clean turban on his head and they put clothes on him and the angel of the lord stood by folks I am of the of the opinion that the angel of the lord here is a theophany that is the the presence of god And and in particular, I believe this is the second person of the Trinity. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. And what we see here is Satan is accusing Joshua, and the Lord rebukes him and tells Joshua, I've taken care of your sin. See, that's what the role of the advocate is. That's the role of Jesus. Now, how's he able to do that? Well, that brings me to my second point I want you to see about Jesus as our advocate or our intercessor the basis for Jesus' advocacy is that he paid the price for our sin. Think about, again, what it says there in 1 John chapter 1, verse 2. For, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. What is that big word there, that big theological word, propitiation? Well, that means wrath satisfier. He's the atoning sacrifice. That is, he paid the price that God demanded for our sin. So he paid the price for us. So what we see here is that as our advocate, he's able to intercede for us because he paid the price for my sin and your sin. You say, wow. Wow so he is praying for us. Yeah, but that's not everything. There's just one more thing we've got to look at here so that you understand why Jesus praying for us is so important. And we can see that in this final section of what I want to share with you. And I'm going to call this section Divine Purpose, because that's really what we're going to see here is that Jesus has a purpose in interceding for you and I. And I've got three points I want to make here. Lots of scripture I'm going to share, but three points. So here's the first one. Jesus's determined purpose is to pray for your well-being. Did you hear what I said? Jesus's determined purpose is to pray for your well-being. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Do you see the purpose of Jesus here? You see his purpose? He lives to make intercession for you and I. You and I who've come to faith in Christ And come to the Father. He lives to intercede for us. So he is always praying for your well-being. Remember those feelings of isolation that we talked about earlier? Wondering if he understands. Wondering if he cares. Feeling like we're abandoned. You're not abandoned. I'm not abandoned. Because Jesus lives to intercede for you and I. And we see an example of this in the upper room when jesus on the night in which he was betrayed when he's having his discussion with peter remember he was telling peter he was going to deny him peter says i'm not going to do that listen to what luke records in chapter 22 verse 32 here's the words of jesus but i have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me strengthen your brethren he's saying to peter peter i've prayed for you that your faith wouldn't fail because you're getting ready to go into this test and i already know that you're going to fail miserably but you're going to return to me but i'm praying for you see jesus's determined purpose is to pray for your well-being here's the second thing i want you to see because he understands our situation. Jesus intercedes for us. Because he understands our situation, Jesus intercedes for us. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says here in chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Again, discussing the role of Jesus. He says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens He understands what you and I go through because he himself was tempted without our sins. So when he prays for us, he knows exactly how you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're facing. Why? Because he faced it. What a wonderful thing about Jesus, isn't it? Because he understands our situation, he intercedes for us. So you might be saying, well, okay, well, George, he prays for us. How does he pray for us then? Well, we're going to go to a chapter, chapter 17 of John, the great high priestly prayer of Jesus in the garden on the night in which he was betrayed, when he prays for his disciples and he prays for you and I. We're going to see this final point. So let me give you the final point, and then I'm just going to read through these scriptures and tell you what exactly he is praying for. So here's the point. Jesus prays for every area of your life. Jesus prays for every area of your life. Let's look at John chapter 17. First of all, John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. What's he asking here? He's praying that you and I would know Jesus and God the Father, and ultimately know the Spirit, that is the Trinity, so that we would know God. John chapter 17, verses 9 through 11, I pray for them, I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I have come to you, Holy Father. Keep them through your name, those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Here, he's praying that you and I be kept, or that we would have security in our salvation, in our place with the Lord. John chapter 17, verses 12 through 13. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Here, Jesus is praying that you and I might be filled with joy. John chapter 17, verse 15. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Here he's praying for you and I to be protected from evil and from Satan. John chapter 17, verse 16 through 19. They are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world... I also send them into the world for their sakes. I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Here he's praying for our sanctification or that you and I would be made holy or become like Christ. John chapter 17, verse 20 to 21. I do not pray for these alone, but I also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you father are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Here he's talking about praying for our unity with other believers and our unity with the Godhead. John chapter 17, verse 22 to 23, the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. Here we are talking about understanding the unity that we have with the Godhead and the love that we have with the Lord. John chapter 17, verse 24 and 25, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known That you've sent me. Here it's talking about you, Jesus praying that you and I would be with him for eternity. And then finally, John chapter 17, verse 26 And I have declared to them your name and will declare it that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. And here it's talking about that we experience the love of God in our life. All right. So let's get back to the original question. Does Jesus pray for us? You better believe he does. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know that we could survive in this world without Jesus praying for us, whether we are aware of it or not. And hopefully now you are aware of it. And it is so important. So here you are. Maybe you're wrestling with those feelings of isolation. You just need to remind yourself that you're not alone, that someone is praying for you, that someone is interceding for you, that someone is advocating for you when you're being accused because of the sin that you're struggling with. Yes, Jesus prays for you. He prays for me. And we should be thankful for that. Finding Clarity is really an opportunity to take time to answer questions that you have, that I have, about Christianity and the Christian life. And what we do each week is just try to bring you a question. So you might be sitting there and you're saying to yourself, okay, George, I have a question. How do I get that to you? Well, there are three ways that you can get that to us. Number one, if you are a part of the Kerwinsville Christian Church family, just simply write it down, throw it in the offering plate, or hand it to me, and we'll look at answering it here. While I'm saying that, if you're listening, and we have a lot of folks who listen who are not a part of the Kermansville Christian Church family, but if you're listening and you don't have a church home and you're looking for somewhere to fellowship and to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, I would encourage you to come and attend a service here. Check us out, and what you're going to find is a group of people who love Jesus and love each other, and you can be a part of that. Our service starts on Sunday mornings at 1145. You don't need to worry about how you dress. We're a come-as-you-are church. But you're going to come into a place where we're going to meet with the Lord, worship him, and hear his word. So I would encourage you with that. Now getting back to the issue of how to get the question to us, you can also go to Facebook.com slash Podcast. We encourage you to like it. But you can go there and write a question on the wall or direct message us a question, and we'll see about answering it here on the podcast. You can also go to our church website, org. Go to the contact page, simply fill out the form there, and you can submit that, and the question will get to us. You might be listening to this and you're saying, George, I'd like to kind of hear what you're going to be talking about every week. How can I keep up with what's on the podcast? Well, there are several ways that you can do that. One way we would encourage you to do that is to get our church app. Our church has an app. You simply need to go, depending on what device you have, you, need to, you can go to the iOS app store, or you can go to Google Play. Simply type in Kerbinsville Christian Church. You'll see our church app. It's free. Download it. And if you go to the media section there, you can see the podcast each and every week and listen to it on your device. You can also listen to our other teaching that is there whether it's Sunday School or the morning service. You can also subscribe to the podcast depending on your device either through iTunes or Google Play. Just simply go to iTunes or Google Play, do a search on a podcast that's called the Finding Clarity Podcast And you'll find us there, subscribe to it, and you'll be getting that in your feed with that app on your device, and you'll be able to keep up with the podcast there. Next week, we're going to answer a question with regards to the Christmas season. And this has to do, it's more of a Bible question, more than a practical question for our life, but it has implications for you and I. It has to do with a controversy concerning Bible translation, and it has to do with a very important passage of Scripture concerning the prophecy about Jesus' coming. So next week, we're going to look at this question. We're going to look at, does Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 say, woman or virgin? Does it say woman or virgin? Because that's very important for us to understand concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. Until next week, take care.